Hello, everyone. My name is Byron Howell. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is the Byron Howell Ministries podcast. And today we're going to talk about the concept of being on fire for God. And that is probably a term you've heard before. Maybe you feel that you are on fire for God. Maybe you don't. Maybe you want to be. Maybe you don't care to be. Maybe you think the people that are on fire for God are just the weirdest people of all time. And, and to be honest, I've been there and, and that's somewhat understandable. But but really, the things of God and the kingdom of God are the most exciting and wonderful things in the universe. Now, I don't think that by and large that that concept has been taught well or understood well, but it is the truth. I am so thankful that God revealed that to me. And it is the truth. God himself is the great treasure of the universe and the kingdom of God, your relationship with the kingdom of God. This is literally the most exciting part of your existence. And I really believe that if everybody knew the truth about God and his kingdom, that people would all be on fire for God. We would all agree that God is the most exciting thing in the universe and that that Christianity is the most exciting thing that we could ever be a part of. But again, I totally understand if you're not there. And I want to talk about this a little bit today. And I really believe that that some of the statements I'm going to make today can be life-changing for you. I'll just tell you, we'll talk a little bit about my personal story today, but but I'll tell you, we're going to talk about some things today that have absolutely been life-changing for me personally. They're not overly dramatic. They're not, you know, necessarily shocking. But but we are going to talk about some concepts and some truths today that are extremely wonderful extremely powerful, extremely important, and I do know for a fact that they will bless you. So thank you for joining me today, and let's get started. You know, when I was 23, I decided to give my life wholly to God. I had grown up in church, but but honestly, I'd lived a mostly sinful life. But I believed God had a good plan for me, and I felt like if I would start listening to Him, or if I could hear Him, that, that I could find his plan. So, so long story short, after about a year of really spending a lot of time with God, a lot of time in the Bible, a lot of time le- listening to different Bible teachers, I began to write Bible studies. I began to get very passionate about the things of God, very excited. And I began to call my old friends and try to encourage them to, to get saved or to uh, improve their own personal relationship with God. And, and one day, you know, not long after this started, this old friend of mine called me. Excuse me. He emailed me and we'll call Steve. We'll call him Steve. So Steve emails me one day and he says, Byron, you are on fire for God. Now, to be honest, I was shocked, not shocked because of what he said. I knew I was on fire for God. I'm still on fire for God. It's been, you know, 16 years and I'm still on fire for God. But what shocked me was that he was telling me that he was not. Now, just a little bit about Steve. I've known Steve. I know him today. I've known him since the third grade. And he, as far as I know, he's been a Christian the entire time I've known him. He's had a, a great relationship with God this entire time. I never knew him to fall away, to backslide, to have wayward years, anything like that. In fact, 
you know, we went to the University of Florida at the same time, but during those years, we we didn't hang out at all. He was continuing to do godly things. He uh, was involved in the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and, and things like that, and just really continuing to pursue what God has for his life. But I was really doing the opposite. I was paying no attention to God, no attention to what God wanted for my life. So I knew all this about Steve. And so it just, it stunned me that he wasn't on fire for God. And you know, I, I look around at a lot of Christians I know, and I'm certainly not trying to be judgmental or throw stones of any kind. My point is to help people. Uh, but I just see a lot of people that aren't necessarily on fire for God. The things of God don't necessarily consume them as they do me. And I, I wonder why that is. Why are some of us on fire for God and some of us aren't? Why do some Christians pursue God and his plan and some don't? Why do some Christians treat their faith like a hobby? But then we, we see other Christians who treat, treat it like the very air they breathe, you know, and, and how can I convince you? Not that I ever could, but, but how could I do my part to encourage you to get on fire for God yourself? You know, all Christians should be on fire for God. All Christians should be actively pursuing their relationship with God and his plan for their lives. You know, all of us should want, should want God and his kingdom more than we want anything else. Obviously, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That, that should be the, the foundational principle of our lives. But, but you see, God doesn't force us to do anything. God doesn't force us to be on fire for God. God, this is not a requirement of salvation. Uh, you probably know this, but the only requirements of salvation that you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Now we find that in the book of Romans. But God doesn't force us to be super excited about it, super excited about church, Christianity, or any of it. And, you know, it's true that as we go through life, sometimes we feel him calling us. We feel him a little stronger, hear him a little louder. And so I'm not sure why there are seasons like that. But but the fundamental truth is God seems content that that whether we're on fire for him or not is is really our choice. He's not going to force this upon us. And, and so when you look at people that are on fire for God, we see that they've made choices and, and the choices they have made in their lives have drastically impacted their relationship with God. By and large, they've choosed, they've, excuse me, they've chosen to make God such an important part of their lives. And I, I realized this choice a long time ago, you know, and I'll just go back to my days. I was a, a, a I was just about finishing up with college and I had some time on my hands between college and law school. And I really just I knew that that I wasn't pursuing God's will for my life, that that there had to be more the the sinful things that I was pursuing. They just uh, lost their appeal, honestly. And and I just started reading the Bible. And uh, I turned to the book of Isaiah. The, the truth is I turned to the Bible almost out of desperation. I was getting to the point where I was so unhappy, so restless in myself, no, no peace in my heart that, that I couldn't sleep, um, that I was basically just having a very difficult time all the time. So I started reading the Bible. And very quickly, I came across this verse. I have no idea why I started reading in the book of Isaiah. I, I can't remember. 
But this is Isaiah chapter 1, verses 18, and I believe this conveys very clearly the concept that, that the choice is ours. And this says, this is God talking, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. You know, call me selfish, but I wanted to eat the good of the land. I wanted to see the good things that I believed that God had for me. I mean, honestly, I just wanted to have a little peace in my heart. I wanted us to, to I wanted to sleep a little better. And, you know, and, and maybe people would disagree with this, but I really believe God is okay with, with what I might call a godly selfishness. And I think that is, you know, when people realize that they've made the wrong choices or people realize that, that maybe they're living below God's best for their lives, they say, look, I can do better. I want more. And I realize that God has more for me. I want to pursue God because I want to live the best possible life, which I believe is found in God. You know, maybe people would call that selfish. I, I, I guess I'm not sure. But but I don't believe that God has the slightest problem with that because his Bible does contain so many wonderful promises. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But it really does. You know, promises for relationships, promises for financial help, promises of healing, really all sorts of promises. I mean, not to mention also peace of mind, harmony, God's plan for your life, a good plan. Um, you know, Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to give you hope in a future. I mean, these are just some of the, the basic examples of what God has for us. So, so I looked at that verse in, in Isaiah and I made the choice to be willing and obedient. Now, you know, pretty much anybody who knows me knows that I certainly haven't been perfect for 16 years. I'm not perfect. I, I don't claim to be perfect. But I made the choice to be willing and obedient. And that first choice obviously caused me to make other choices. There were things I had to give up. There were changes I had to make. I started going to church. I started reading the Bible. Um, even the the girlfriend I had at the time, who thank God for the story, uh, she's my wife today. You know, I had to come to her, and and to be honest, I really don't remember exactly how the conversation went, but I just, you know, I said, Shannon, you know, I I just feel that I need to start going to church, and do you want to go with me? And that was probably bizarre. I, I don't really re remember what she thought. I should ask her, but but the truth is, you got to understand. You know, I I lived a, a very you know, stereotypical frat guy, University of Florida party animal existence. And, uh, and I lived with the same three guys, excuse me, same four guys for three years. And, you know, all of a sudden the guy in the back room is starting to uh, read the Bible and go to church. And, and, you know, that's basically what happened. You know, I just started having this conversion in my life and it wasn't necessarily overnight, but I made the choice to be willing and obedient. And I started making other choices in line with that, because I wanted to eat the good of the land. I wanted to see what God has for me. And I'd like to read you this next verse. Now, this these are the words of Jesus. And, and I think this is important because here is Jesus echoing this, this concept of the choice, the choice that we should make as we pursue the things of God in our life. But, but, but I'm going to tell you, I believe this verse doesn't get enough attention. And and anyway, let me read it. 
Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. You see, when you accept Jesus Christ, you don't just get saved from your sins. You are fundamentally brought into the kingdom of God. In that moment, unimaginable blessings become yours. In fact, Ephesians chapter 1 says that, that God blesses us with every single blessing he has to offer. Not because we earned it, but because Jesus did. And our entire relationship with God is through Jesus. We now come into those blessings. We come in to becoming one of God's children. And furthermore, we come into the kingdom of God. That's actually Colossians chapter 1, if you want to look it up. We are removed from the dominion of darkness. And we are transferred into the kingdom of God. It happens instantly when we get saved. And see, now... We think about this concept of the treasure. And this is, these are Jesus' words, not mine. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. You see, when you come into the kingdom, you have free and unfettered access to all that the kingdom has to offer, to all of the wisdom of the kingdom, the plans of God for your life, the wealth of kingdom of the kingdom, excuse me. You can now go boldly before the throne of the king. And he will help you because he loves you, because he's your father now. There is so much in the kingdom that we have not understood, that we have not tapped into. You see, most people don't realize that the kingdom of God is a treasure. In fact, it is the greatest treasure of the universe. That is what Jesus is saying there. You know, and and by and large... I don't believe that the church, I don't mean my personal church, but I mean the church at large has not taught these truths. You see, the church has confused Jesus' teaching on what to expect from the kingdom. We, we, we haven't been taught that, that it is a treasure. And it is a in, in fundamentally a treasure box filled with everything we could ever want for our lives. Now, please don't hear me saying what I'm not saying. Yes, the treasure of the kingdom of God includes financial prosperity. Okay, and I'm sorry if you don't believe that, but it is absolutely clear from the Bible that God wants us to be blessed. Why? So that we can be a blessing to others, so we can further the kingdom, so we can continue and help accomplish God's will on the earth. Now, now, that's just the way it is. But my point here is that it includes so much more than just finances. Finances is just the tip of the iceberg. Everything you will ever need is in the treasure of the kingdom of God. But again, we haven't been taught this. We haven't seen this clearly. And I remember one guy made this video. And in the video, he described our salvation like a parachute. And the rest of life, the rest of our existence was like a plane that was about to lose power and crash. You see, on some level, we can agree that that's accurate, okay? Yes, we are all sinners 
And without our salvation through the the perfect work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we would be destined to death and destruction. But but the plain metaphor is wrong. All of life, all of existence is not a plane that's about to go down and we just have this parachute. That's that's not true. You see, what he was saying is that we should just be so happy for the parachute because there's absolutely nothing good. This whole thing's going down and now we just need to look forward to the moment that we can jump. But you see, that's not true. God wants us to have good things in this life, right? He wants us to be blessed so we can be a blessing to others. Remember the metaphor of Jesus. The man was so excited for the treasure of the kingdom that he sold everything. He saw this beautiful thing, this wonderful treasure. This is not just a ticket out of hell. This was not just a parachute. No, in fact, this was the treasure, the greatest treasure he could ever ever find, worthy of him selling everything to obtain that treasure. You see, that is the life. You see, when you accept Jesus Christ, you come into possession of this treasure. And now you can live in possession of this. You can live from the riches of the kingdom of God. Again, not just money, but all that God has for you. But let's keep going. Let's look at this next verse because this really hammers it home. This is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. My friends, that is a mouthful. And there are many things going on in that passage, but let's just focus on a few. Everything you could ever want, everything you could ever need is in the kingdom. It says God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. So many of us have thought that Christianity will take from our lives, that Christianity would take the things that we would enjoy. You know, and there's been so many improper pictures of people taking, you know, poverty vows or chastity vows or whatever other kind of crazy vows, you know, because they think they think that somehow those those things of the flesh will will either that God wants them for us or that somehow those things by themselves will bring us closer to God, when that's not really the truth. You see, what we have to do is we have to focus on God himself and what he has given us. And it says, he has given us great and precious promises that enable us to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption. My friends, the fact is, is that we are called to a totally different level of existence. We are called to a totally different type of of purpose, type of excitement. And God gives us 
everything. And, and I want to be clear about this. People have had the wrong idea of what it means to truly pursue God. I don't mean everybody, but I mean a lot of people. You know, we think that if we pursue God to the nth degree that we're going to become like Ned Flanders or we're going to become, you know, some version of ourselves that we don't want to be, that we think would be a lesser person or I don't know, whatever. But but you see, God wants us to become the greatest possible version of ourselves. And that is like him sharing in the divine nature. And that does not mean that we will lose our individuality. Not, not at all. God loves you. Every one of us is totally unique in the eyes of God. And God loves our differences and God celebrates our differences. And when we come into the kingdom of God, we are blessed, empowered, and enabled to become all that he wants us to be and to do all that he wants us to do and to have all that he wants us to have. You see, the treasure of the kingdom of God far surpasses anything that this earth has to offer. And see, that's why Jesus's parable is so powerful, because he's explaining this to us. The kingdom of heaven is a treasure and it's worth giving up everything for. The man who found the treasure was so excited. You know, the treasure of the kingdom of heaven, it is your relationship with God. And let me just be clear. You see, he is, God is your relationship with God. This is the greatest treasure of the universe. God himself is the greatest treasure of the universe. And the closer you are with him, the more you will come to know that, the more you will experience him and just learn how wonderful he is. And you see, but the treasure is your relationship with God. It is also your ticket into heaven. It is also everything and every relationship you could ever want for eternity. You know what else is in the treasure of the kingdom of heaven is personal peace and harmony in your life. You see, again, I'll talk about this at length some other time, but I tell you, this is one of the greatest things I've ever seen that, that your personal peace within yourself and your peace between you and your creator why you've been born, what you were put on this earth to do, understanding who you are and how he made you the way you are. These are what contributes to you having a true peace of mind, a true harmony in your life between yourself and God. And that is only found in the kingdom of God. The world has no other place that can give that to you. There's no other source for that. There's only one creator. And only he knows you. Only he really knows you. Nobody else knows you. You don't know yourself. He knows everything that is in you. And he wants to bring you to your highest potential. And, and you see that, let me just say this. Those words sound simple, but that is profoundly important. You know, I'm 39 years old. And I don't have friends that I've seen going through midlife crisis, you know, and nothing drastic. But I've certainly had friends that haven't been super excited in their careers. They're not necessarily fulfilled. They may be okay with their job. They may 
think their job is a good way to provide for their families and things like that. But it's not their jobs aren't necessarily speaking to who they are as human beings and drawing out all of the gifts and talents and abilities that they have in themselves. You see, that is what God wants for us. Now, maybe God will use different places to do it. He'll bring out some of your gifts in your job. He'll bring out some of your other gifts in, you know, maybe somewhere you're involved in a church or a ministry or something like that. But God wants to bring you to the highest expression of yourself. God wants you to know who you are, who he created you to be. And, and again, that type of understanding, that type of personal peace only can be found in the kingdom of God. And I'm reminded of one of the most profound statements that I ever heard when I was, well, I mean, literally one of the first church services I ever went to back uh, right after I had finished college. And I started going to this Sunday night Bible study at a Baptist church, uh, honestly, just because it was the easiest thing to do. It was down the street. And the pastor said, if you succeed in that which is not pleasing to God, then you have failed in the midst of success. And again, I don't say that to bring condemnation on anybody. I say that to encourage you. You know, I, I took that as a very powerful statement because, you know, on one level, I was very successful. I had uh, I had made great grades. I was about to go to law school. I, uh, you know, graduated from the University of Florida. I had this beautiful girlfriend, you know, on and on and on. But I knew that in many areas of my life, I was definitely not succeeding in what was pleasing to God and that God may, in fact, regard me as a failure. So it was time to start making some changes. It was time to start succeeding in what my creator wanted me to do. So God has all of these wonderful things for you. All of these things are available for you in the kingdom of God, you know. The good of the land is truly available to you. And you see, Jesus talked about it as the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. If you look through the Bible, you'll notice that Jesus is constantly referring to the gospel of the kingdom. And there are many times the Bible says the gospel of the kingdom. You see, the true gospel that Jesus preached was far more than just Believe on me as the Messiah and I will get you a ticket out of hell. That was the most basic and fundamental part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the gospel of the kingdom was that when you accept him as the Messiah, you are truly going to be brought into the kingdom of God, which was in existence at that time, which is in existence today, and which will be in existence forever. Uh, my next podcast, we're going to talk about that a lot more. But but that he wanted you to come into the kingdom of God. And now as citizens of the kingdom of God, you can begin living the way that God always meant for you to live. When you get an understanding of these things, when you truly see how wonderful God is, how wonderful the kingdom of God is, is how you, when you start to see all that the kingdom of God has to offer, it's very easy to get on fire for God. It's very easy to become very excited about the things of God. You know, I I remember, and you know, forgive me, get Dad or Gail, if you hear this, but when my father married my stepmother, I was 11 years old, and we went to church, and, and you know, I did. I, I mean, I prayed every now and then, but my dad married my stepmother, 
And she was an absolute fanatic. I mean, she still is. And life changed instantly when she moved into our house. And I just thought, you know, in my whatever kind of prayer life I had, I mean, God, who is this crazy person? I mean, she's totally nuts about church and the Bible and all of this stuff. Well, the real the reality is now I'm right there with her. I'm just as big a fanatic as she is. And and it's not that, it, you know, I took some sort of crazy pill at church one day. No, it's just the fact that I do now the same things that she did. I read the Bible. I spend time getting to know God in prayer. I spend time fellowshipping with Christians. I spend time pursuing what God has for me. And and it starts simple. But then what happens, your, your eyes are opened. And you realize how wonderful God is. And then you get more excited about it. Man, you start realize this word, this word is awesome. And I start reading it and I start studying it and I start hearing from God. I start doing what he says. And now my life gets exciting. But it's a whole different kind of excitement. It's a whole different kind of passion for this existence that I have. And and now, you know, and, and then what happens? You get to the point where you can say, Beyond the shadow of a doubt that you are on fire for God. So, I mean, leave aside that concept for a second. Maybe, maybe you're not sitting there thinking, Oh yeah, you know, boy, geez, Byron, I'm ready to go for it all the way. I want to get on fire for God. You know, maybe that's a little farther from where you are or where you're thinking right now. But I know what I'm saying is true. And I know what I'm saying to at least some of you. You're feeling that call on your heart. You're feeling that idea. Hey, hey, this treasure of the kingdom of God sounds pretty good. Hey, you know, you know, somebody, somebody basically taught me that my salvation was nothing more than a ticket out of hell or a parachute. But you know what? What you're talking about here is starting to sound pretty good. Maybe I should pursue this a little bit. So let me just give you what I believe are some very very simple, very easy, and very concrete steps that you can begin taking to really begin seeing more of this in your life, to begin opening up yourself to really honestly start coming into possession of the treasure that is the kingdom of God. And the first step, I would say, is to start spending real time in the Bible. Now, now again, if you read a couple of verses here or there, that's great. I'm happy for you. That's wonderful. Don't stop. But let's look at a couple of verses here. This is John chapter 8. Then said, excuse me, verse 31, John 8, 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus wants us to continue in his word. Why? Because his word reveals to us truth. His word reveals to us reality. All that we are talking about here today, all that God has for you, all the blessings that he has for you, all of the different aspects of the kingdom of God. His word is truth and it teaches us the the great truths of our existence. And the truth shall make you free. The truth, when you understand the word of God, when you begin to, and don't feel like you need to understand it all instantly. That's not what I'm saying at all. As you spend more time in it, you will understand it. That is biblical law. You will understand it. 
it will open to you. God will begin opening it to you, helping you understand it. Just trust me. But what happens is that truth that comes into your heart, into your mind, it begins setting you free. It begins setting you free from the old sinful ways of this world and the old thinking that this world has basically forced upon us, right? We've all grown up thinking the wrong things, doing the wrong things until the, until the gospel of Jesus Christ was revealed to us. And then, you know, the word of God, we start learning the truth. We start learning the good things that God has for us. And the truth of God's words, God's word helps make us free, free to live how God wants us to live, free from the bondages of this world, free from the bondages of the wrong types of thinking, free from the world's corruption that we saw a second ago. Here's another one. This is John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. That was Jesus talking. Jesus wants us to abide in him. So we have continue in the word and abide in Jesus. In those verses, those words continue and abide are actually the same Greek word, which is, which is meno. And that means to stay, endure, or remain. We need to remain in God's word. We need to stay in God's word. We need to stay and remain in this relationship with Jesus. So let me just give you a, a concept. Let me try to present this concept as simply as I can. It's one thing to open the Bible and read it. That's a wonderful thing. But let me suggest a slight modification. Open the Bible and then open yourself to God. God, I'm coming before your word today. What would you have me to see? I'm no longer just reading a book. I'm fellowshipping with God around his word. God, what do you want me to see? God, show me how this applies to my life. God, let me hear the word behind the word. That's how one man put it. And I actually think that's a fantastic way to put it. The word behind the word. You know, you'll read a verse like love thy neighbor. And all of a sudden you'll remember that you're being a jerk to your neighbor. Or you'll read husbands love your wives. And you'll remember that maybe you didn't treat your wife perfectly last time. I'm not saying that it's always correction or discipline or something like that. Those are just simple examples. As you spend time in the word of God and fellowship with the Lord around the word, God will show you how it applies to your life and how he wants it to be applied in your life. And so talk to God while you read. Open yourself. Spend time. Don't just focus on getting through the verses and getting through the passages. Spend time contemplating what it says. Listen to what Jeremiah says in chapter uh, 23 verse 29. I love this. He says, is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. You see, the word of God is like a fire. The word of God is like a hammer. There is nothing like the word of God. Not only 
is the word of God literally the the embodiment of God? Not physically, of course, but but really, because the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. You see, when you are fellowshipping with the Bible, you are in fact fellowshipping with God. And, and the word of God will set you free. It will break the strongholds in your life and in your mind. It is a fire that will consume you. It will change you. It will bring guidance and direction and power into your life like nothing else will. So that's step one. Start spending real time in the Word of God. And I touched on this a second ago, but start listening to God's voice. This is the idea of the Word behind the Word. Now, that's not the only way that God can necessarily speak to you. But primarily, you're not going to hear, you know, an audible, booming voice from heaven like the Israelites did. You're probably not going to hear a donkey speak to you like... um that prophet did, I think Naaman, not Naaman, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, you're not going to have angels appear in your room like Daniel did. It could happen, I'm not saying it won't. But, but my point is that those are not really God's primary communication methods, especially not to Christians that have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. But hearing the still small voice of God is absolutely one of the primary ways that God will communicate to us. Dreams and visions are another way, but I'll have to talk about that another time. Let me mention briefly the still small voice, because this is something that you can begin hearing. This is a way you can begin hearing from God very clearly, very quickly. And this is a great way to hear from God, especially as you're, as you're fellowshipping with God around his word. And and I'll just tell you, this is what happened to me. I began reading the Word of God. Remember, I, I, I decided that I was going to be willing and obedient. And so I just started reading the Word. I certainly didn't, didn't have any great revelation or relationship with God. But I began reading the Word. And then I began hearing the still small voice. I began understanding in my heart that that there were changes I had to make, that there were things I just couldn't do anymore. There were places I couldn't go. There were people that I couldn't be around. Not that God doesn't love everybody. Not that God doesn't love every single person I've ever met in my entire life. But some people are just not going to be a part of your life going to the heights that God wants you to go, going and, and experiencing all that God has for you. You see, here's the point. Jesus said that the man who found the treasure was so excited, he sold everything to get that treasure. And I want to make sure you hear me clearly. He was excited to do it. He did not look at the sale of those things as something to be avoided as reason not to come into possession of the treasure. And I think that's a big problem for a lot of people. I know it was in my life. I didn't want to stop drinking. I didn't want to stop doing some of the things that I was doing at, you know, at that time of my life. But you see, when we understand the value of the treasure correctly, when we see how wonderful the kingdom of God treasure is correctly, 
then the desire for those things of the world, the desire for things that would hold us back, the desire for the things that we wouldn't want to get rid of, it just falls away. We realize those things are worthless. I mean, the drugs, the alcohol, the inappropriate relationships, the inappropriate entertainment, these things that we would hold on to, they'll keep us back. They will keep us back from obtaining the treasure and all that God wants for us to have. Now, I'm not saying you won't go to heaven. I'm not saying you won't, you know, escape the fires of hell. But I'm telling you that if you let these things stay in your life, that they will prevent you from experiencing all that God has for you. They will prevent you from experiencing every aspect of the treasure of the kingdom in your life. So, so again, let's go back to this idea of hearing the voice of God. You know, as you're reading the Bible or as you're praying, sometimes you'll feel something in your heart. And, and sometimes you'll just know. You'll have a very strong sense in your heart about a decision you need to make, a change you need to make, whatever it might be. For me, it was probably, you know what? I just need to start going to church. I need to find a church and go. And, and that was probably the first time I really sensed that communication on that level. But let me talk about the still small voice for a second, because I believe this is a very important way you can start hearing from God. The still small voice is the voice of the Holy Spirit. And here's how you know. We all have a voice in our minds. If I think to myself, you know, whatever, I like blue camels or something like that. I can hear myself say it in my mind and I can picture a blue camel. Okay. I have, there's an inner voice in my mind, but, but sometimes there's a voice that comes out of nowhere. It cuts right through my thoughts. It doesn't sound like the voice of my mind. It cuts right through my emotions and it speaks a clear and direct word, usually not very long. That's how I recognize the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. And that's how you can recognize it as well. It's a spiritual voice that you don't hear with your natural ears. You hear with your spirit man or with your inner man. But the way you'll know it is all of a sudden these words just hit your mind very clearly, not your mental voice and direct and to the point. And I believe as you start spending more time, more and more time in prayer and with the uh, the word of God, fellowshipping with God, that you will begin to hear the still small voice because God wants every Christian to begin hearing from him regularly. And so, so point number one was spend real time in the word of God. Point number two is start listening to God's voice. And I'm trying to give you a couple of pointers on how to hear him. When you start listening to God and hearing him, it will dramatically change your life. Okay, there is just something that happens when you know you have heard from the creator of the universe. And let I, I hate to say it like this, but it's just true. When you start to experience God in a direct personal way. It's no longer just on the pages of a book. It's no longer just what your pastor is talking about on Sunday or what your parents talked about or your friends or whoever. When you begin hearing God for yourself and understanding on a personal level that he's real, that he has plans for your life, 
that is a game changer. And let me, I'll say it like this. I am addicted to hearing from God. I must hear from God all the time in every area of my life, both through his written word and his spoken word directly to me. It is, I mean, absolutely one of the greatest treasures. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. God wants all of us to know his voice. And and so we spend time in the word. We start hearing God's voice and then we start doing what he says. All right. And I don't want to make this too complicated for today. But but when you begin hearing God tell you things or tell you to do things, you need to start doing what he says. Now, there may come a time where you don't want to do it, right? There's something that God is asking you to sell because he wants to see you experience more of the treasure of the kingdom of God in your life and you must sell something. You may not want to do it. I'll give you an example in my life. Now, I didn't really care about this too much, but it's an example. You know, I was one of those people that had, you know, that big old uh, binder of CDs in my car. You know, you've seen folks like this, right? We've got a hundred CDs and, you know, now we're trying to pick the, the, you know, the right CD to listen to for the five minute drive down to McDonald's or something like that. You know, I was one of those people, but the day came where God said, look, you got to give up the secular music. I want you thinking on a certain level. I want your mind stayed on me. The Bible says you that God will keep us in perfect peace if our mind is stayed on him and music will take you away from that. The wrong music will. So I had to give that up. But see, here's what we need to understand. Every direction from God comes out of the treasure chest that is the kingdom of God. Every word from God is in itself a piece of treasure. Every word from God is to bless you, to help you, to correct you. Why? Not not to just punish you for the sake of punish you, but to help bring you to another level in your life, to help you come up and eat the good of the land in your life. Every direction God will ever give you, everything God will ever tell you to give up, all of these directions are for your good. They are meant to bless you. They are because he loves you and his directions to us are part of the treasure. My friends, if you would, you would do very well to remember that. It took me a long time to understand it. I, I can even feel when I realized that one day I was sitting, I can even see myself sitting at the word and just realizing this. Now, maybe you, maybe you understand that concept. Maybe that is second nature to you. Oh, of course, God told me to do this. And obviously it's for my good. I'm going to do it right now. It just didn't come that way for me. I pray it comes that way for you, but it didn't for me. But I realized that no matter what it is, no matter what I may think, those directions are wonderful and they are a blessing and they are for my good. As you begin changing the way you think, as you begin living differently because you are being willing and obedient to the word of God, God is going to give you directions. Yes, there are times where he may say you need to get rid of some things in your life, but there are other times he will give you direction. 
And those two are also blessings, wonderful parts of the treasure that he has for you. He might tell you to go to a different church. I go to the church, you know, I'll be honest, you know, people told me not to go to the church that I go to right now. And they told me bad things about it. What they told me was was wrong. And and God spoke to me in a dream. And basically what he said, it doesn't matter what those people say, that that church is where I want you to go. And now I've been there, you know, nine years or something, and it's been wonderful, and I could go on and on and on. But but he will give you these directions. They may not sound good to your mind. They may not sound like exactly what you want to do. But that is what you need to do, and they are a blessing for you. Let me give you one short example as we start to get to the close here. One day I was driving to work, and I'd been a lot of places traveling but I'd never been on a mission trip. And uh, I said to God, I was just driving to work and talking to God in prayer. And uh, I said, you know, God, I'd really like to go on a mission trip. And I heard the still small voice. And here's what he said. He said, you can go on a mission trip. He said, go ahead and go. But keep it simple and go on one of the trips that your church offers. Our trip has a large missions department. Go on one of your church's trips And this was the kicker. You must let your wife choose. Okay. Well, you know, I, uh, I, I heard, I heard, I knew I had heard. So I told my wife and that's what we did. So she reviewed all of the church's options. And one of the options was Nicaragua. I liked the pastor that uh, goes on the Nicaragua trip. I minored in Spanish in college. I really wanted to go to Nicaragua, but my wife wanted to go to Haiti. And um, I couldn't care less about Haiti. There's absolutely nothing wrong, nothing against Haiti, but I didn't care. And I certainly didn't speak French or Creole. And really, the Haiti trip was about... Um, playing playing with kids at these schools that this particular organization had. Well, let me fast forward because this is now um, about six and a half years later. I've now been to Haiti seven times. My wife has been four times. The organization is called Schools for Haiti. I'm on the board. I've been on the board for a few years now. I am the uh, the MC and the auctioneer at our annual fundraising gala. We have something like 10 schools for 2,000 kids. It's it's one of the most wonderful parts of my life. And the man who founded Schools for Haiti is one of my best friends. I literally don't know how to put into words what a blessing Schools for Haiti has been to me. And all, I mean, all that I can say, I mean, I've preached revivals in Haiti. I've taken clients to Haiti. I've seen amazing things there, done amazing things. And and all of the relationships, not only the, the president, uh, his name's Gil Bailey, one of my best friends, but but so many of his friends and the people that are with Schools for Haiti, just so awesome and not to mention just the kids there and the people there. It's so wonderful. I love it so much. You know, we've been locked down for this pandemic. I haven't been able to go. Uh, and I really just can't wait to go back. 
But that's just an example. God will bring you directions in your life. When you start opening yourself up to his voice, when you show him that you're going to be willing and obedient to his word and to what he tells you to do, he's going to bring opportunities to you. That whole situation I just described, I don't know if I could say any of it if I hadn't heard his voice that day. And, and done what he told me to do, which absolutely schools for Haiti has absolutely been one of the treasures of the kingdom of God in my life. And I'm just so thankful. And God has so many things like that for you. He has them. He has things like that for all of us where he tells you to do things. Often they will not make sense. That's a whole nother lesson. But just trust me, they might not make sense to your mind at all. But but he knows what we don't know. He can see what we can, can't see. And he has good blessings for us. In fact, they're often hidden from our natural minds. I can't get in that today. But it is very true that often the great treasures that God has for our lives are hidden And really, the only way that we're going to find them is by listening and hearing him. But when you do, when you see those things show up in your life, my friends, there is nothing like that. There is just nothing that can compare. Jesus said in John 14, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Jesus wants to show up in our lives in different ways. But by listening to him and doing what he says and seeing all that he has for our lives, that is one of the greatest ways that he manifests his existence, his his life, his reality in our lives. And oh, I just I wish so much that all of you would experience that for yourselves. Guys, God wants you his beloved child. You are his beloved child. He wants you to know him and to pursue the kingdom of God, to obtain all that is in the treasure of the kingdom of God. He has all of it for you. And and beyond that, he wants you to fight with him against the devil, against the dominion of darkness, so that we can work with God to bring other people to the treasure of the kingdom of God. There are different ways that we can do that. God will have different jobs and assignments and things for us. But but God has this treasure for all of us. When you know him, when you remain in fellowship with him, when you spend time in his word, he manifests himself to you. You hear his voice, you do what he says, and you begin to experience him on a whole nother level. There's this book, Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. I can't recommend it enough. But you hear God, you do what he says, and you begin experiencing the treasure. You begin living in the kingdom of God, not just in some spiritual theological sense, but but in your daily life, seeing the kingdom of God everywhere you look. This will set you on fire for God. And this will not be a fire that 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 lasts for a couple of days or even a couple of years. 
It will be a fire that persists in your heart for all of eternity. You know, recently I had the honor of doing a wedding and, and I had never personally met the bride or her family, but, but I sat down next to the bride's grandmother. This was just a totally random circumstance and she knew I was officiating the wedding. And the bride's grandmother says to me, she says, Oh yes, Jesus is everything to me. And, and I just, I was speechless. I was stunned. And what a wonderful thing to say. What a wonderful truth. And here's the point that I would make from that. You know, people sometimes have a relationship with God that's bound up with their church or their small group or a particular service activity. And all of those things are in and of themselves great things. But they can fall away. They can disappear. They can close. They can end. But Jesus should be our everything. Jesus, when our relationship with God and the kingdom of God is truly built upon our personal relationship with Jesus and nothing else, that's how we can have this enduring excitement about God and the kingdom of God, where it's no longer a struggle to read the word. It's no longer a struggle to go in church or to to pursue the kingdom of God that it is the very guiding light of our existence, that this fire that we feel for God day in and day out is the most exciting part of our lives. It's the core of who we are, the very air that we breathe. And my friends, I know that I may sound crazy. It's okay if you feel that way, but I'm telling you, God loves you more than you can fathom. And God has this treasure of the kingdom for you. And the closer you draw to him, the more you are willing and obedient to to follow him and his plans for your life, the more you will eat the good of the land, the more you will be excited about pursuing the kingdom of God and fighting against the kingdom of darkness. And your life will never be the same. I Pray that this message has helped you and I pray that you catch the fire of God and that you burn brightly for God forever. I pray that you spend time, study these verses, encourage yourself in the Lord, spend time with the Lord, see what he has for you. God bless you and have a great day.